his faithfulness to me is not determined by my faithfulness to him. Amen. Amen. Somebody left some glasses up here. They were uh, up here on the on the front, I guess. But if they're yours, they're they're here and they're right here. You can pick them up from Brother Doyle if if they belong to you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to First Samuel chapter number three. First Samuel chapter number three. We're going to read about three verses out of that chapter, and then we're going over to the New Testament, Matthew chapter number seven. I want you to I want you to take it and turn with me. Uh, put your hand over there in Matthew chapter number seven. And then uh, we're going to read in beginning out of 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And I need, if all at all possible, I need you to give me your undivided attention. I will try my best not to preach as long as I normally do. Uh, so in case you do have to go, uh, I will, I will, if you can, do your best to be as still as you can. I'll try to be as short as I can. And I'm not being funny. I'm not being, I'm, I'm trying to be as serious as I can. Uh, this may be the most serious message you hear all year long. Uh, this may be a message that's going to keep you out of hell. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm so, uh, I've, I've heard a message about a week ago, and it's been in my heart, and it's been on my mind, and, and uh, a man preaching on a topic, and I couldn't shake it. And I, I was at the youth revival this week in Mount Airy, North Carolina, and I had about four or five outlines. Spence, I took the best I got for as far as young people. Had all those outlines in my in my in my folder there. And I was going over it, preached Monday night, and laid in the bed all Monday night after after the service was going over those outlines. And 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 I couldn't get comfortable. Uh, I knew that's not what God was wanting me to do. And uh, Tammy said, "Well, this one I like this one, or I like that one." I said, "I like them too, but that's not what God is going to let me do." Early the next morning, God woke me up early the next morning, and uh, I got my Bible out, and I started reading and studying this portion of Scripture, and uh, God allowed me to preach it that night and told me to preach it this morning. So I believe somebody needs to hear what i got to say. Uh, uh, listen, uh, Christianity, as you know it, may not be what it ought to be. If you compare yourself with another Christian, and you look the same as that other Christian, how do you know that other Christian's what they're supposed to be? There's so many people comparing themselves with other people, and that's not what we ought to do. You may look good compared to me, but we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And I want you to stand to your feet, if you will. Uh, Johnny, you couldn't stand it, could you? Amen. You pray for me. Uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. When you get in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, say amen. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I call not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli. Eli was the high priest. Eli, and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now I want everybody to read verse 7 with me. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Now let's read it again. Now, let 
Let's all, man, that sounds, boy, I got God bumps right now. That sounded so good. Let's read the first sentence in verse number 3. And the, and verse number 3, excuse me, chapter, chapter 3, verse number 1. Excuse me, chapter 3, verse number 1. And the, say that again. Now go back to verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. How is that possible? Samuel's working in the temple. Samuel's serving God. Samuel's quoting scripture. Samuel's opening the door and ministering and helping the priests. And, and, and he is an assistant in the church. But verse 4 says, or uh, verse 7 says, he did not know the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, please. The devil's fought me on this all week, Lord, and he's fighting now. Please help me. Give me the anointing of God to preach this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I grew up in church my whole life. My whole life. Brother Cone, that's all I've ever known. There was no question about was you going to church. If it was church time, you went to church. I mean, there was just, there was no, you, I mean, that was the deal. It was the way it was. And I grew up pastor's son. I grew up sitting right here uh, in the church we went to. There was two rows of pews. And, and I sat there, and my little brother sat right there. And uh, my mama sat right there. And if we goofed off, she'd thump us in the back of the head. It sounded like a ripe watermelon. I mean, it echoed through the church. We'd sit there, and we heard God's word. As I was growing up, as I was growing up, Tim, I could quote more scripture in the fourth grade than most preachers can today. My dad would take me on visitation and we'd go visit people and he'd say, all right, quote that chapter. Whole chapters of the Bible, he would show me off quoting verses to people on visitation and, and I would wear a three-piece suit and, and, and man, I, I, I had it down. I had, that's when I could fit in three-piece suits, amen? I had it, that little vest and my little cowboy boots on and, 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 and man, I had my Bible that was about half the size I was and I was proud of that thing and I was quoting verses. I was tying ties for grown men. Say amen. My dad taught me how to tie a, a, a Windsor knot when I was a little bitty fella, and I'd tie them and take it off my head and put it on theirs, and it would always work because my head was smaller than everybody else's at that time. And, and man, everybody called me the little preacher boy. Oh, there's the little preacher, man. There's the little preacher boy. And, 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 and you say, oh, that's fine and well that you are a preacher. I wasn't then. I had it down. I could say all the prayers. I could sing all the songs. I knew all the stories. Man, I knew all about God. But I didn't know Him. And there came a day in my life that God brought old-fashioned, holy ghosts, sin-killing, devil-chasing conviction into my heart and my life. And man, I fell under deep conviction of my sin. And I realized I was a sinner. But I said, Lord, how could that be? I'm the preacher boy. I've got the suit on. I know the verses. What will they think if I tell them I'm lost? And we have people in churches today, filling churches today with no true conversion experience. They come in enough to, to get familiar and acquainted with everything and they get comfortable with what's happening and they get the idea that everything is okay. Listen, this is a dangerous place to be. He did not yet know the Lord. 
I want you to turn with me quickly, 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 and I'm going to hurry. Matthew chapter number 7. This parallels this thought. Jesus was worried about the same thing. I say worried. Jesus was concerned about the same issue. He is addressing religious people. Do you know it's a very dangerous thing to be religious? Because religion will sort of make you feel good about it. And then when God does come convict you, you you might think, well, maybe I just need to do more. Maybe I need to just read my Bible more. Maybe, well, Jesus was concerned about that. He was dealing with religious people. It It was a false religion. It was a deceiving religion. They were sincere about it. They were for real about it. But they had been deceived in what they had believed. Oh, how can we know? Oh, I'm glad you asked because Jesus put it right here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. When you get there, say amen. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or, or, or thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Say that with me. A corrupt tree bringeth forth. It says this. It says this, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, he that doeth, not he that saith, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. This is the saddest verse in the Bible next to, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Listen, these verses, and I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Uh, I, I took Psychic 101 in, in college, and I, I'm, I'm psychic. I know what you're thinking. Preacher, you're trying to confuse us. You're trying to get me to doubt my salvation. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. If anything, if anything, This will confirm what you have. 
I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to condemn anybody because you're going to say in your mind, you're going to think, boy, he just, because of the way I, you're just condemning me because I'm not this and I'm not that. No, I'm going to preach verse by verse by verse by verse. Listen, you cannot compare your life or your Christian walk to culture or what other churches are doing or what other Christians are doing. You've got to compare it to God's holy word. God will judge us one day by His holy word. It's not by culture. It's not by tradition. It's not by what's popular in the day we're living in. It's not by what else everybody else is doing. He's going to line us up with this Bible. Listen, I, I, I'm going to give it to you straight out of the book, and you're going to have to make your mind up. You're going to have to make your mind up. Listen, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to confuse anybody. I'm here to consider and to confirm. Say that with me. I'm here too. And to, you know what, what's lacking today? It's old-fashioned Bible preaching. Old fa- There's way too many psychiatrists in the pulpit today. They want to make you feel good and, listen, make you feel good about the way you are. and want, Listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. We need to line up with His Word. We need to put ourselves in front of the blazing gaze of the holiness of God and let it tell us what we need to do. Listen, I want to give you three things real quickly, real quickly. Listen, you've never taken notes in your life. Boy, this would be a good day to start. I, I, I got saved. Listen, I made professions. I made professions before I'd get excited about the evangelist or the preacher and I'd make a profession, but it never took. Listen, it was, most people have heard it. It was a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. But I tell you what, it, it goes even further than that. It goes even further than that. It's not about it's not, and you say, well, I believe in God. I, I believe in Christ. The devil believes in Christ. But have you placed your faith in Him and has it brought repentance in your life? Let's, let's get to the Word. Number one. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to say this with me. I want you to see, number one, the truth He examines. Say that with me. I want you to see the... Everybody say it. We see, number one, the... You say, where do you find that? In verse 13 and 14. The truth he examines. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. But verse 14 says, because straight. That word doesn't mean without curves. It means narrow. It means pinned up. It means a little sliver that's there. Straight is the gate, verse 14 says. Then narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. What is the truth we see? What is the truth that Jesus is expounding and examining and showing to us here in these two verses? We see the truth of the process of the Christian life. The process of the Christian life. There is a pattern that Jesus gave right here. There is a pro- And I didn't say the process of salvation. I said the process of the Christian life. Did y'all catch the difference? There is a difference between the process of salvation and the process of the Christian life. Salvation is included in the process of the Christian life. A process is something that's ongoing, that's ongoing. He said there is a gate and there is a way. That tells me there are two things there. You cannot go through the gate and not be on the way. And you can't be on the way unless you go through the gate. There is a process. 
There is something that God has given us. He says, you are not my disciples unless you do what I say. Listen, you are not my friends unless you obey my commandments. There is a gate and there is a way. You cannot live the way you want to live after you get saved. You cannot be what you want to be after you get saved. You are bought with a price. If you ever go through that gate, that narrow way will line you up and you have to stay on that way. Jesus said, I am the door. I don't care. I don't care. I'll stand up and testify. I'll sign the paper. I'll sign the tape or the CD. I do not care what Oprah's promoting today. I do not care what that psychologist is filling her mind with. There are not many roads to heaven. There's not many ways to heaven. There's not whatever God you want to believe. There's one God. There's one mediator. There's one way to Him. And that is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the gate. He didn't say there's a bunch of gates. He didn't say there's many gates. He said there's one, and it's a straight gate. It's a narrow gate. There's only one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. Oh, how'd you do this? How'd you do this, Peter and John? Peter said there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But by that name, Jesus. They'll let Muslims preach. They'll let Mormons preach. They'll let cults stand up and do whatever they want to do. But you let an old-fashioned Bible-believing saint of God stand up and want to preach in the public place, and they'll shut you down. One way. There's a process. There's a process. I've seen people go through the gate. Then they care nothing about that way. Oh, I want to go to heaven. Huh. Psalm says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You realize if you're going to heaven, that's exactly what you do? And I'm not talking about physically. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. <laughs> Truth. He's seeing people run around. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I'm, I'm confused about something. I don't understand how, how, how these, these crowds are running around and filling up stadiums that look no different. No different whatsoever than the world. No different. Listen, their dress is sensual. I, yeah, I'm still preaching. Don't look no different in the world. But I, I have a Bible that tells me, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Papa, ain't that what your Bible says? I got some other verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Hallelujah. Oh, creature, creature. That means a creation. Something happened, something different. So a, a, a creator had to make a creature. That means if you got saved, the creator done got involved in your situation and has made something new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, not some things. Not a few things, but all things are become new. They may not change overnight. They may not, listen, they may not get fixed tonight. The night you got saved, you may not fix everything in your life, but there starts a process. I mean, it begins at the moment of salvation. It begins at the moment of conversion and the moment of regeneration. And you will not be able to help yourself. You won't stay the same. You won't be the same. It will become new. See, I'm still, I'm still preaching Bible. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. John 15, 19. Well, I tell you what, you're not going to get very popular. You won't make it on TV. Well, that's okay. I got another verse for you. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his home. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Preacher, what are you saying? All these, all these preachers that the world is embracing. Let me just step out of me. I done stepped in and I might as well step out, amen? If the world is embracing your theology, there's something wrong with your theology. If the world is lining up to hear what you got to say, you ain't got much to say. They beheaded John the Baptist. They crucified the Lord. They hung Peter upside down and crucified him. They killed James with a sword. And you think they're going to hug your neck? The truth is this. There is a straight gate. The truth is this. There is a narrow way. There's a new creature. There is a change. Did your appetite change? Did your apparel change? Did your association change? Has there been a change? Is there a new desire? The Bible says when somebody gets saved, they are a babe in Christ who desires the sincere milk of the Word. I don't know about these folks that make a profession and then you can't find them with the FBI, CIA, or a good hound dog. Something's wrong. They didn't, they didn't get it. Now, I'm just telling you, you know, you're judging. No, I'm telling you the truth. Anytime a baby's born, anytime a baby's born, little Carter, I was having a big time in Sunday school with him. He's looking at me, and, and, and he winked at me too. When that little scoundrel got into this world, nobody had to take him through a, a, a 101, a bottle 101 or milk 101. They didn't teach him a lesson on how to get that milk or to want that milk. It came automatically. It was... It was in his nature. It came naturally. He had a desire for that meal. I'm telling you, if you have not a desire for spiritual things, I'm not saying you're going to jump up and be Billy Sunday the next day. I'm not saying you're going to be a super Christian, but your appetite will change. It'll be different. Man, God, boy, he's really got my attention. Because you, you look on... Look at some of these places and it seems, man, they're just blowing out the, the walls. They're just getting people upon people upon people. But then you start hearing the message and you know why. Do you know why everybody likes a gospel concert and they won't go to Sunday school? They will drive 150 miles to hear a gospel concert, but they won't go across the street to go to Sunday school. Because there is not one thing condemning in a gospel concert. It's all up, 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 up. Now, here's the thing. Oh, but God is a God. He don't hate anybody. He's a God of love. He sure is, man. He's got a love beyond man's understanding. But in order to love something, you have to hate something. What do you mean? I love babies. Don't y'all love babies? 
I love them. I love them little ones and the little chunky ones and everything, even the ones that puke all the time. I love them all. Now, since I love babies, I hate abortion. Amen? See, if you love, if you love right, then you got to hate wrong. Are y'all with me? Let's not make this real confusing. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Oh, you just, you know, anytime somebody starts preaching this stuff, they go to hollering legalism. Oh, a legalist, a legalist. No, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a realist. I believe the Bible is real. And we need to go by what it says. The truth, the truth, this is the truth. The process of the Christian life. Then we see population of the Christian life. Let me read a verse that will shake your mind. Watch what this says. Matthew 20, verse. Let me, let, me, let me read right where we're at. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Now watch how many is going to destruction. And many, say that with me, and there be which go in there at. Verse 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Read it. And Oh, y'all read a whole lot louder a while ago. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And watch this, Matthew twenty sixteen. So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Luke thirteen twenty three. Then said he one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Do you realize? I heard this quoted. I heard this quoted. It said Billy Graham said he would be happy if 5% of all those that made a profession in his crusades were actually saved. Five percent. You down in Billy Graham? No, Lord, no. Oh no. I probably won't even see Billy Graham in heaven because he'll be so close to God, way up there. I won't even be able to get that close. I'm not down in Billy Graham. I'm just telling you what he said. I'll be I'll be happy if five percent of those in all those crusades were saved. Why would he say something like that? Because when you go check the churches after the crusades were over and all those thousands that made professions, you didn't find them in the church. And there's one, one thing that happens when a person gets saved. Automatically the Holy Spirit is in them and they start seeking other people that got what's in them that's in them. It's like a magnet. Boom, it draws you together. Truth. All these people running around claiming it. You knock on every door in Coleman, and everybody you talk to is a Christian. And then you'll find out this is the wettest dry county in America. Churches, I was told, I don't know how true this is. Y'all may know more than this. I, I mean, I've been here nine years, and I've seen this. Uh, listen, it, it's closed. Uh, when I came here, they said, there's more churches uh, uh, per square foot in this county than any county in America. 
world record. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I know there's a pile of them. Now, if, 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 we're so, if we're so saved, why is this city so crooked? Where, where are they at? They probably hit decoration. Amen. Amen. I, I didn't, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Father, forgive me, I have sinned. <laughs> is it over, by the way? Is there any more of them? Are they all over? Next year, I'm going to preach a series on before the month of May on let the dead bury the dead. Amen. I'm just kidding, y'all. Don't get excited. Don't leave the church. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just trying to lighten things up, y'all. It's looking a little dreary right there. Number one, the truth he examined. Well, what, what, preacher, what, what do we do then? Then he, number two, I want you to see the test he explained. I'm glad Jesus wasn't like most preachers. If Jesus told you he had a problem, he'd always give you a prescription for your problem. Most preachers just beat you down and tell you how sorry you are and then leave you that way. I already know how sorry I am. Man, tell me what to do about it. Look, it says this. Verse number 16. When you get there, say amen. Come on, y'all. That decorate it was just a joke. Ease up. Verse 16. Come on. Verse 16. There we go. All right. Ye shall know them... By their fruit, do men gather grapes? Did you notice it didn't say profession? It didn't say by what they claim. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20, he says it again. He puts emphasis on it by saying it twice. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Now watch this. Jesus is getting logical with them. Brother Barry, come sit right here. Jesus tells them something that probably shocked them. When he said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it, it probably blew their mind. They was probably thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world? It probably just put them in the up. What do you mean? What do you mean? So then he starts explaining. Okay, let me explain myself. Let me explain myself. So he is sitting there with the guys. The disciples said, Brother Doyle, you ever seen an apple tree? How many oranges did you pick off that? Why? So? But, but what if you wanted an orange? How many apples have you picked off an orange tree? Why? Well, that's just logical, isn't it? And then, then Brother Barry would say, well, duh. <laughs> it's an orange tree. Now, look, we can sit here, and that is funny. 
Because I mean, it, only a, a moron would go to pick an apple off an orange tree. But yet, we will believe somebody who professes it. They profess to be an orange tree, and they ain't doing nothing but giving off sour grapes. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I, say I was late for church. If that was to ever happen. And I come in, and, and I say, sorry I'm late, sorry I'm late, sorry I'm late. I was out, man, I was on the way, I was on the way to, uh, 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 I was on the way to church, and, and man, I had a flat tire, and I was changing my tire, and the lug nut rolled out the road, and I went out there and picked up that lug nut, and, and man, all of a sudden, uh, uh, man, one of them timber trucks was coming down the road 120 miles an hour, 10 feet away over, hit me and run me over. Man, that's why I'm late. Now, what do you think? All right. Logic says, logic and see, people don't study that no more. The church has become the most illogical place there ever has been. But logic would say this, either I'm a liar or I'm crazy. Right? You're either a liar or you're a madman. You're crazy. There's something wrong with you. Then how come the Bible will say this is what a Christian is, and then we'll believe everybody this exact opposite of what that Bible says. And then endorse it. Jesus, see, this is not this this Bible is really not that complicated. He said, Look, can you get good fruit from a bad tree? No. Can you get bad fruit from a good tree? No. I mean, the only logical thing is if you're getting bad fruit, it's a bad tree. Look, let me show you the test. Well, what about, how do am I going? How am I going to know if I'm saved? Let's confirm it. How am I going to know? Well, he says it right here. We'll know by the fruit we bear. We'll know. See, this is the test. This is the test of salvation. Are, are we in? Are we? Now, let me give you. Let me give you a couple verses to prove that we need to do this. Well, I think you're just trying to. I think you're just trying to confuse us. I think you're just trying to make me doubt my salvation. No. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. You know who he's telling that to? The most carnal church in the Bible. He said, y'all need to check up. Examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate? 2 Peter 1, 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never how many of y'all have ever flown before? How many of y'all were nervous about it? How many of y'all are nervous about it when a dark-skinned guy with a, a towel wrapped around his head gets on it? You know what bothers me? A guy like that was right in front of me, and he goes through the thing, they don't bother him at all. And a Chinese checker looks at me and says, come over here and take your shoes off. Because the judge said you can't do racial profiling. I look American. 
That bothers me. Say amen. But when I'm on that, when I'm in that, that terminal, I mean from the, I get my ticket, I'm looking at the number, and I'll look at the number, and I'll look at the plane. I'll look at the number of the time, and I'll go back, and I'll sit there, and I'll think, and then I'll get up and make sure that my, I, yeah, okay, it was the same time. And I, you know that departing thing and arriving thing? And I'm always looking. And I mean, I'll look at it 50 times before I get on that plane to make sure I'm not going to Zimbabwe. I mean, I'm paranoid about it. I want to know, man, don't let me get on the wrong thing. Please don't. And I'm looking. I, oh, I don't want to miss my plane. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, honest to God, Smith, I'm not exaggerating this a bit. I'll look at it 50 times to make sure my memory's so bad. And I want to make sure, I want to make sure that's the right plane. I want to make sure it's the right destination. I want to make sure that time is right. And I'm here to tell you, it shouldn't eternity, should we be not that careful, should we be not that serious about where we're going to be forever? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. We need to sit down and see what kind of fruit are we bearing. Let me give you an interesting thought. It did not say what you are producing. It did not say uh, the, the product you are producing. Because a factory can produce a product. A, a factory can manufacture something. says the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, all those things. Those things can't be manufactured. Have you ever tried to make yourself love somebody? I'm going to love you if it kills me. Preacher, what are you getting at? You can't manufacture that. You can't manufacture joy. You can get that new car and you still ain't got it. You can get that thing that you thought was going to bring joy in your life and you'll find out like Solomon did. It left you empty. You know why? You can't manufacture it. That's why God called it fruit. Fruit happens from life. Fruit comes from a living organism. Fruit comes from a seed. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Fruit comes out of life. When Listen, when there is a healthy situation, when, listen, when there is a healthy man and a healthy woman in a relationship, a married relationship, and they're doing what, what married people do, there comes fruit from that. There's life comes from life. And it happens naturally. I've never went out. I grew up in an orange grove. I mean, an orange grove right behind my house and in grapefruit trees. And I never seen one orange tree out there sweating. That orange tree, oh, I feel the burn. Whew. They just bloop, 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 bloop. I mean, oranges just happened. They wasn't, they wasn't working on it. They wasn't forcing themselves to make oranges. It just happened. It came naturally. Let me give you something that's going to really blow your mind. If you have to make yourself go to church, if you have to make yourself read your Bible, if you have to force yourself and you keep and you keep and you keep and you can't do right to save your life, something's wrong. You know what? We're trying to fix these young people. 
We're trying to make them and manufacture goodness out of them. When really the whole time is they don't need to be... I've seen people, well, I want to rededicate. You don't need to rededicate. You need to dedicate. People rededicate and rededicate and rededicate and rededicate and they just still can't make it happen. Something's wrong. What fruit are you bearing? Do you see fruit in your life? Do you see a change? Was there a difference the moment that you asked the Lord to forgive you? The moment you repented, was there a change? Did you begin to see fruit in your life? Jesus said, that's the test. Man, this is so serious. Was there a change? Did you begin to see those things in your life? Did anything change at all? Not only the fruit we bear, but the foundation that we build. He said there's one man who who built his house on the rock. There's a solid foundation. Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church. Papa, I believe he's pointing to himself. He's the rock. So how do you know that? Because over there, over there in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? It always makes me nervous. When you see people out in the world who talk like the devil, act like the devil, and they come in and they enjoy the atmosphere, and then they join the church. You know what happened? They wanted to start building the house before they laid the foundation. That's why we have our membership class. Our membership class deals with salvation specifically. Too many people want to come and start doing good or start enjoying it and start this and start that. And you know what they're doing? They're building a house. And they get so involved, and they may even get involved in different ministry, and they're building a house. But Brother Privet, the storm's coming. And the storm he's in reverence to is the judgment of Christ. And if your house, all your religious facade is not built on Him, great will be the fall of it. A preacher, assistant pastor of a church in Texas, big church in Texas, just got caught in one of them stings, one of them internet deals where a little thinks he's talking to a 12-year-old or 11-year-old. Y'all know. I ain't got to explain. I don't want to explain because it makes me nauseated. makes me want to really severely injure this individual. What, what, what did he have? He had a facade. But he didn't have no foundation. I mean, his facade was so good, he was hired on staff as an assistant pastor. Tim, his facade was so good, everybody in the church and the community looked up to it. But the problem was he had no foundation. 
Let me, let me give you a little thought, too, to help you with this. Well, can you give me a little more help on, on how can I know? Sure. This, this is probably the easiest of all. The Bible says, whom I love, I chasten. If you are without chastening, that word is correction, whipping, scourging. If you are without that, you're a bastard, not a son. Now that word is not, don't, don't get sideways, it's in the Bible, I promise you it's there. It's not a cuss word. If you use it in the right context, it's not a cuss word. I wasn't calling anybody that. It means illegitimate. He's saying your profession is illegitimate. You're claiming one thing, but you do not belong to me. If you're claiming to be saved, and you can go out there and live like a whoremonger. And God not do anything? You're not saved. If you can go out there and run around and carry on, if you can go out there and do what you've always done and nothing happened, nothing changed, and the Holy Spirit not jump up and down in your soul, you're not saved. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, any time I go to stray, any time I go to slip on that narrow way, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is inside of me jumping up and down like a banny rooster saying, No! And if you keep going, God will slap you down. I don't believe that. Well, Jonah didn't either. Jonah didn't either till about that third flash of lightning. Everything was going fine. Everything in life was fine. Nobody knows where I am. Nobody knows what I am. I'll just do my own thing till they got about halfway out to sea and that wind started blowing. That lightning started flashing. That thunder started rolling. That rain started falling. And no, Jonah said, uh-oh. God got Jonah's attention. If you're saved and you get stupid, God will get your attention. See, why isn't that being preached anymore? That's still in the Bible. It's there. And if you can just keep right on going, young people, if you can just keep living that way and it don't bother you a bit, now I'm not talking about your conscience because everybody's got a moral conscience. I'm talking about a raging, roaring voice inside of you saying, you're not a child of the devil no more. You belong to me. Straighten your act up. I remember one time I was in Bible college. I was with another preacher, and uh, and there was technically what I did was not technically wrong, Vince. Technically, when I went to Bible college, I had another preacher friend that had a church that was right there close, and and uh, and uh, I didn't know anybody. I was homesick, man, and I, and he was the only one I knew, and. And they let me, they agreed to let me go to this preacher's church and, and be a member there. Because, see, anybody that moved out of state to Bible college, you had to join Victory uh, and become part of their church so you could be involved in the things that's going on so you can learn these things. And, uh, but they let me, Dr. Brown let me do this on the stipulation that I would come to their church on Thursday because they had a uh, Thursday night church. Well, if you knew this preacher, you would understand uh, that I was just a sheep that was led astray by a, a bigger sheep that should have known better. And, uh... And uh, he said, he said, Malcolm, let's go fishing on Thursday. 
I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know, I, I don't think I need to do that because Preacher Brown said, well, I need to be over there Thursday and that was the stipulation. And he said, you was at church tonight. This was on Wednesday night. Now, some of y'all may not think this is a big deal. Some of y'all may not think nothing. But I'm just telling you what happened and what I felt in my heart. I was sitting there, I said, well, he kept on and on. Okay. Knowing. Spence, I mean in my heart, knowing. Oh, no, this is bad. We get out there, and he's wanting to catfish. Put out these catfish lines, and it, man, it gets dark, and we're out there, and I'm in this boat. And I'm telling you, the honest to God, honest to God, I felt like Jonah. I, did, I felt like Jonah, and all of a sudden, it started clouding up. I'm talking about, you say it was at night. You know when you see every star in the sky and then it starts clouding up? Mm-hmm. Boy, it starts rumbling. Say, oh, jeez. I'm fishing. He's having a big time and I'm not enjoying myself at all. They're probably doing the, doing the offering right now. Wham! Lightning flashes. Oh! He's probably preaching right now. Then all of a sudden, I grew up in Florida. And in Florida, they have these public awareness deals that, that about tornadoes. And they say... A, to- a tornado sounds like a, y'all ain't going to believe what I heard. <laughs> I heard a train. I said, oh. we're out in the middle of this lake. I said, I said, I almost said his name. Lord, don't let me say his name. I said, I believe we need to go. He said, no, nah, we're all right. No, I, I mean, really, I, I believe we need to go. He said, no, nah, we're all right. I said, man, is it, it sounds like a train. There's a tornado. Now, see, I got there after dark. I didn't know there was a train track right beside the lake. I said, there's a tornado coming, man. Come on. By that time, I said, sucker, if you ever get me to that land, I ain't never going fishing on Thursday night again. Now, you can believe what you want. I don't care. But I'm telling you, if you do wrong and you are saved, not religious, I'm talking about sure enough, old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, born again, and you get stupid, That's the Bible. Now, if that don't happen, something wrong. In my love, I chasten. How far will God let you go? I tell you what, the Bible says in the book of Corinthians that if you do not come back when he calls you and he calls you and he, he tries his best to bring you back, he will take your life. It's there. First Corinthians. That's the test. How do you stand up to the test? Are you trying to make me doubt? No, Lord, no. I want you to be sure. I don't want you to go to church your whole life and then go to hell. 
Last of all, and I'll do this short because I know you're tired. What was the first thing we found? Number two. Number three, write this down. I want you to see the tragedy he exposes. What a tragedy. Vince, I said this was the second saddest thing I've ever seen in the Bible. Because it says everybody's going to get to that judgment. And he says many are going to say, Lord, Lord, I profess to know you. I wore my, my WWJD bracelet. I was in the youth group. I profess to be a Christian. You know the tragedy about this deal? It's where they place their confidence. Their confidence was in a profession. I prayed a prayer when I was three. You know what the Bible says? That ain't going to matter. dangerous thing we're doing then you, you kind of like me we're the same people you grew up pastor's son and you've heard this and you know I'm telling the truth when I say this evangelist after evangelist say listen just write your name in your Bible right there so you don't forget and in, in, case, in case the devil bothers you about this you, you show him this in your Bible that's the most dangerous thing we'd ever tell anybody because there may come a time when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you of your sin and then you go tell the Holy Spirit. No, see where I wrote, see where I, I prayed a prayer one day? I prayed a bunch of them. But that prayer never turned into repentance. That prayer never changed my life. Because it was here and not here. And there's going to be so many people, they're dependent on a prayer they prayed when they were little or a prayer they prayed that never changed their life. They were never different after that. They were never, listen, they were never changed after that. They were never converted. They were never regenerated after that. But they said, well, I prayed a prayer. There's no secret formula. He said, many shall say on that day, many, Lord, Lord. They're putting their confidence in a profession. But not only the profession they made, but then the pattern or the participation they mastered. Hey, we did this and we did that. We did, man, I tell you what. Man, when I was that little fella, I was good at it. Dad was a good at it. Tell the truth. I was good at it, wasn't I? Uncle Chuck, was I good at it? I had the suit. I had the Bible. I had the tie. I could throw down. I'm telling you, I was good at it. But I was lost. How many times? we tried to convince somebody they were saved when God was trying to tell them otherwise. It's not, don't put your confidence in a profession. Did your life change? Did you find fruit in your life? Was there a difference? Did you find that there was somebody walking behind you from that moment on and every time you did something wrong, talking about Chris the tragedy was where they placed their confidence but then the tragedy was this not only in where the confidence was placed 
this is the saddest part. In what cost is paid. Depart from me. I never knew you. Now let me read something that's just, I want you to really get. Verse 23. Will you go there real quick if you're not mad at me? Just go there, even if you are mad at me. I didn't come to win brownie points. I came to help you. I want you to read this. Verse 23. Then, what color is your writing? What's that mean? And Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, Say it. Say it again. All right. Watch this. Brother Donnie, that means those that are practicing lawlessness. Those who profess to know God, but since they live like God never gave them something to live by. You that practice you that live, you that work, you that practice, make it a habitual form of lawlessness. Did your profession lead to obedience? What did he say? Brother Ken, you remember? He said, he said, those that build on a rock will be those that do what I say. But those that build on the sand were those who did not do the will of my Father. Let me give you one verse. Do y'all remember the verse in the Bible where Jesus is explaining? He said a man had two sons. He gave them something to do. And one said, I won't do it. But then he said he repented and went out and did it. But then one said, I will do it. But then he never did it. He said, which one was obedient? Did your profession Lead to obedience. Was there a change? He said, or, or you know, and everybody said, well, you're, you're, the way you're preaching, you're acting like everybody's going to be perfect. No, I'm not. But there's no way in this world if you're saved, you can go out and habitually live that lifestyle and nothing bother you or God not correct you. Or even more importantly, does He know you? Say, Heavenly Father, Lord, we've got so many places and groups 